Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. In our gospel text, and really in all of our texts, there has, there's a lot to be said about speaking, that Paul takes up the task to tell us, let there be no foolish talk or crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving, right? That in Jeremiah, the Lord gives Jeremiah a word to speak, and as much as he doesn't want to, he does. And the Lord says, do not hold back one word. Words matter. That's why it's so important that we not take lightly that our Lord casts out a demon that was mute, and that when the demon had gone out, the mute man spoke, and the people marveled. Words matter. Oftentimes we like to tell kids, you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never, words will never hurt me, right? Of course, this is not necessarily true. Words hurt, Right? When someone slanders you, when someone calls you out sinfully, when someone casts down your your reputation and your good name, that matters. That's why the Eighth Commandment is such a big deal, right? Words mean things. Words are connected to a reality that we live by day by day. And so, when we see Jesus casting out a demon that was mute, first of all, I I was saying to our Sunday school class, I love this Sunday, if only for the artwork that's on the bulletin. And I know that it makes Alice squirm whenever she prints it out, right? That's our secretary. I know she always looks at it and just is like, ugh, this is gross, right? And, and, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's the picture of a man who's opening his mouth and the demon is coming out, right? The man's mouth is wide open and the demon's mouth is closed. But he's nasty, right? He's gross. And so whenever she does squirm, I say, well, that's a good thing, right? We shouldn't look so lightly or fondly on demonic possession, right? The thing is, though, is that When the Lord casts out a demon, we should pay attention. And we should pay attention when we hear how we are to act now as people of God's word with our words. That it sometimes might be hard to talk about this text. In fact, some pastors or people might kind of skirt around these kind of texts because Nowadays, a lot of people don't believe in demonic possession anymore, right? They may think that's the stuff of of film, that's the stuff of Hollywood, or of folklore, or superstition, right? That demonic possession, or demonic oppression, doesn't really exist. It's just more of like, you need to go see a psychologist. You gotta go see a counselor. You gotta talk it out. You gotta find a way to deal with it. When in reality, we as Christians, according to God's word, know that, yeah, you can go to a psychologist, you can go to a counselor, you can talk about these things, but really, 
you cannot get around the spiritual reality that we are in a spiritual battle every single day. Every single day, Satan and his forces are attacking God's children. If you want to know how Scripture really thinks about it, look at what those who see Jesus do this say to him and slandering him, saying, he casts out demons by Beelzebul, the prince of demons. That in the ancient world, you probably heard uh, the term Beelzebul, Beelzebub, right? Beelzebub is literally translated as Lord of the Flies. That it was a, it was a way to mock Satan. That he is the Lord of the Flies of the Dung Heap, as it were. That his demons can't help but swarm and peck at lies. Because that's what they feed off of, right? It was a way to mock Satan. But now Jesus is being slandered with their words, saying that he casts out demons by Beelzebub, the prince of demons. Words matter. Especially when you're talking about the Son of God. That Jesus, he doesn't stay silent when they slander him in this way. He takes a lot of abuse in many different ways. He took a lot of abuse when he was in his state of humiliation in the flesh. But he would often and regularly speak against false doctrine. He would speak against hypocrisy and slander, right? He says, every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste and a divided household falls. And if Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? For you say that I cast out demons by Beelzebul, and if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons cast them out? For therefore they will be your judges. But if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you that it's interesting he brings up the finger of God. In the Old Testament, in the book, um, in the book, in the book of Exodus, when God brought forth the plagues onto the land of Egypt, the magicians in the court of Pharaoh could replicate some of these signs. But one they could not replicate was the flies. They couldn't do this. But these people here are basically likening Jesus to a pagan, to a person who is demonically possessed or controlled. But he says to them, and how could they not know this if they know their scriptures? The finger of God has done this. That if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. That even the, the magicians in, in the land, even the magicians in the land of Egypt, when they could not do the mighty signs and works of God, they would say, surely this is the finger of God. That these people are being rebuked for slandering Christ. But he responds two words with words. How do we see this now? Well, the Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ, 
wants us to know that by his power, we can overcome that demonic, that demonic assault that faces us every day. That with all the words that swarm around us day in and day out, usually words of cursing and not blessing, I would say, right? Especially if you watch a lot of TV or news. A lot of bad words out there. A lot of things that will bring us discouragement or maybe even pride. That our Lord speaks his word and he absolves us of our sin. He takes away the armor of that strong man who is our foe. That is, that is, that is, that is the devil himself. That our Lord is the stronger man who takes away the sting of death, the sting of sin, with his own death. And he tells us that we are saved. We have to understand, though, that as we go through our lives, we cannot go through our lives as Christians and not understand the spiritual reality that we face day in and day out. That demons do exist, that Satan does exist, and that they are working to deceive us constantly. They serve Beelzebub, right? The Lord of the flies, the Lord of lies, as it were. They trust in their armor and weapons, the sting of death and the pain of sin. And yet, oftentimes we go throughout lives we go throughout our lives not even realizing what's going on around us. There's a, there's a quote. I, I think I got it from a movie one time, but I'm not sure if they took it from C.S. Lewis or whatever, but it's a great quote. That the greatest trick that the devil ever played was convincing the world that he didn't exist. Think about that. The greatest trick that the devil ever played was convincing the world he did not exist. You talk to people nowadays and you say, that's demonic. That's not right. That's satanic, what people are doing, right? And if you need an example, I mean, where do you start, right? Um, people who believe in gay marriage, who believe that abortion is a good thing, it's demonic. That we're destroying ourselves and our children for the sake of what? Our own sinful pleasures or our own despair, as it were, even, to be charitable on some degree that we give in to lies all the time. We give in to the deceptions of that devil who doesn't love us and would like to see us cast into hell with him. And because of this, oftentimes when we're faced with the hard realities of the sinful world, of the satanic forces that are against us, what happens to us? Do we speak out? Do we say, that's not right? Do we say, that's demonic, right? When was the last time you heard someone say, yeah, what I saw on TV or what I saw on uh, the news? Quite frankly, that was demonic. How often do we talk like this? How often do we bring these things up? No, more often than not, we're mute. Or another word for that is dumb, right? That we're dumbstruck, we're dumbfounded. The world is so bad, we don't know what to say. We don't know how to address it. And so, 
Oftentimes, out of cowardice, we just don't say anything at all. We just let things slide. You know, uh, if people are living in sin or anything like that, if they're not, not doing the things that they should be doing, even if they're Christians, right, that we in brotherly love should be able to call them out and just say, this is not right. This is not what God wants for you. Repent because God loves you and God desires more than just you and your sinful desires. But oftentimes we're, we're mute. We're dumbstruck. We're dumbfounded. We don't know what to say because oftentimes we think that we need to be able to say the perfect thing in the perfect way in order for someone to hear us. As opposed to just speaking the word of God in love and letting that be enough. We get, a, we get ahead of ourselves. We get in our own way. And we say to ourselves, maybe not out loud, but quietly, we might say, surely there must be more than just saying you should not commit adultery. Surely there's got to be more than just saying don't bear false witness against your neighbor, right? Surely there's got to be more than that. And we as Lutherans will say, yeah, if you want to give them the explanation in the small catechism, that's good too. But really, let that be enough sometimes. That's enough. Maybe add a word of love with that call to repentance. Oftentimes, we let the perfect, quote-unquote, the perfect become the enemy of the good. That instead of just speaking a good word to people about maybe what they're doing wrong or even what they're doing right, God bless you, right? God be praised of what he's done for you. But oftentimes, how much do we say that? How many times are we just left mute by not speaking against sin and not speaking for godliness. And really, we need to repent of this. That our muteness, our dumbness, our being dumbstruck and not speaking against the ungodliness of this world and our muteness and not speaking for godliness is conforming, really, to demonic standards, if not being outrightly under demonic control or demonic influence. That when you see it as a hard line like that, you know the truth. So that if you find yourself in a position where you just say to yourself, you know, I'm just, I'm just not going to say anything because I want to keep the peace. I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I'm not going to say anything because I'll just look foolish. That's exactly what Satan wants you to do. So that the more you know that that is a demonic standard, the more you'll be able to be confronted with the truth and say, Lord, have mercy. It's not going to be perfect, but it's going to be good of what I'll say. It's going to be good because it is God's word, which is ultimately good. And you don't do this by yourselves. You don't speak out on your own will as a Christian. As a Christian, you speak according to God's will, that he gives you the strength. He has set you free from the sting of death. He has set you free from the pain that this world can inflict on you. That we as Christians have, I think, forgotten 
The power that God truly holds, the power that he grants to us as his children, the strength, the comfort, the peace that surpasses all understanding so that we would be able to say, you know what, they may be mad at me, but it's right to speak this. You know what, they may think I'm a fool, but God knows that I'm not. You know what, they may do unjust things to me, but on the last day I will be vindicated by God himself because it is his word, it is his will, and I have to trust in him. We are given this great gift to be bold in confessing our faith, in confessing the truth of God's word, both his law and his gospel, both repentance and forgiveness. That we are given this gift and we should not squander it by remaining dumbstruck when faced with this world. We should not squander it, but revel in it, delight in it, be joyful in it, because it is a gift. Don't let the perfect be the enemy of, of the good that you could speak and the good that you could do according to God's will by the power of Christ. Confess the good word of God. And it may be imperfect. It may be imperfect. It oftentimes will be, right? You have a pastor who stutters. If I can be some encouragement, at least let me be an encouragement in that way. You have a pastor who stutters, and I don't always speak the word of God when I should, and for that I repent, and I'm trying to do better by the power of God, by the grace of God and His, His mercy. But we are given words to speak. We are given mouths to proclaim. Christ sets us free from our muteness so that we would speak His good word. We would speak against the evils of this world to call each other to repentance out of love, to encourage one another as children of light, to use our words for the good of God because he gives us that good word. Because while we would like to agree with the woman in the crowd at the end of our gospel text saying, blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts at which you nursed with Christ, right? Blessed is Mary. Of course she's blessed. She's the mother of, she's the mother of our Lord. But she is blessed because she heard the word of God and kept it. Not in the sense that she did anything, but that she treasured it. We should read it that way. That really in our our translations, when we hear, keep it, we think that we're doing something. We think that we're holding tight out of our own will. But really it is. Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and treasure it, who see it for what it is, who appreciate God for his word, which grants you salvation, which grants you the knowledge of salvation through Christ who has been crucified for you, who lives on high for you, who is at the right hand of God the Father, working all things for the good of you now. And even when you speak that word, that good word to people, and they slander you, they, they speak all manner of falsehoods against you on the account of Christ, he says, blessed are you. 
Blessed are you when they curse you and they revile you and they speak all manner of falsehoods against you for his sake. That either way, speaking God's word is a blessing. It is a good thing. And it grants us peace. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen.